Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, for all of you watching online, great to be with you as well. For those who don't know me, my name is John, and I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege and my honor to be able to share with you this morning. Um, but before I jump into the message, I wanted to share an exciting update with you. At our church, our mission and our calling is to see, you're going to have to help me with this, more people more like Jesus, more people more like Jesus. And we do that locally, and then we also do that globally around the world through partnering with different projects and different missions partners and, and our sponsorship program. And there's two families that we partner with over in Cambodia. I think there are pictures right behind me here. This is Joe and Stu Herschler Adair and their two little boys. Joe actually went to Emmanuel College here on the Gold Coast. He used to be in the youth ministry here at this church. When he was, I think, 18, he went to Cambodia for six months. That was 15 years ago. And so he met his uh, beautiful wife there. She's from New Zealand. She's a midwife. They work with literally the poorest of the poor. I've never been to such poor villages in my uh, whole life. They're just doing incredible things over there. If we could go to, go to the next picture, this is Polito and Rose. They give oversight to our sponsorship program. More than 100 people in uh, Poipet, Cambodia. And Polito is also a pastor of a church there. So last year, uh, both of these families, uh, the rent in Cambodia is really skyrocketing at the moment over these last few years. And so both of these families, in conversations with a few of us from the missions committee, they felt to step out in faith in 2021 and to buy a home in Cambodia because they've both been there for 15 years. This is their long-term ministry. They're getting citizenship. They're not going anywhere. And so they wanted something which they could continue to do ministry from and also raise their children in. And so as a church last December, we really wanted to get behind this. It's about 80000 or so Australian dollars for a home in Cambodia. And so we wanted to get behind this as a New Life Church. And so you might remember these little cards that we had on the Christmas tree in the courtyard. And these little ornaments are really cool. Um, and on the back of them, we had different items you could purchase to help purchase these guys a house. So we had like timber and appliances or tiles, whatever it might be. And then we also, I think, had the biggest uh, woman's Christmas marketer that we've ever had also in December. And so from those two things, as a church, we've been able to raise $24,722 to support their homes over in Cambodia. So... Just wanted to say, I, I spoke to both of these families during the week, and um, they were absolutely over, they were not expecting that whatsoever, and just overwhelmed at the generosity and the financial support and just the, the prayer support that we're able to give them. It's just an extension of our New Life family here. So they wanted me to say to everyone at New Life and all you watching online, a very, very big thank you. So we are in uh, week four now of a new series that we began in the beginning of this year. Pastor Mike was the one that led us through the first th three weeks. And the title of this series, as you can see on the screen behind me, is Rhythms. So we're using a book kind of like as a guide with the different chapters to give uh, direction to each week. And this book was written by John Mark Comer. Love the title of this book, The Ruthless Elimination 
of hurry. So if you want to, you know, a few weeks from now or a few months from now, if you're like, oh, what were they talking about again? That's a great book to pick up and read through it because a lot of what's in that book, we're giving a little bit of direction to this uh, series. And so what we're doing as a church, we're looking at what are rhythms, healthy rhythms that we want to establish in our lives. It's a great way to do it in the beginning of the year. And what are some of the unhealthy rhythms that we may want to um, get rid of in our life? And then looking at Jesus as the ultimate example on how we should live. So today my focus and, and the, the, what I'm going to be centering my message around is how do we create a rhythm of rest in our lives? How do we create a rhythm of rest in a world that can be so often so busy? One of the real central themes that, that get, just kept coming to me as I prepared uh, for this message this week was one of my favorites. Um, my dad actually made me memorize it when I was a child. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In other words, in him I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I love these images. Green pastures, quiet waters. My wife is from Norway, one of the most beautiful countries I've ever been to in my whole life. When I read that scripture, that's what I kind of think about, these green pastures, quiet waters. The green pastures, that, that is the rest. The, the quiet waters, that is the refreshment. And as we're going to discover more and more this morning, God desires and his gift to us is to have healthy rhythms of rest in all areas of our lives, in our physical, in our emotional, and in, most importantly, in our spiritual. But this can be really challenging in a world that has such a fast pace. Corey Ten Boom once said, if the devil can't make us bad... He'll make us busy. So the question I wanted to ask you this morning, are you too busy? Now, when I talk about being too busy, I'm not saying just having a lot on your plate or working a full-time job or maybe having a kid or, or, or several kids. Um, a lot of us have a lot going on. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is being too busy. So you might be thinking, well, what does that mean? Well, here's my definition. If I was to define what too busy means, this is the way I'd define it. It's when you start to see areas in your life slipping, which shouldn't be. When you start to see those areas in your life slipping, and those areas shouldn't be slipping. For example, rest, sleep, time with God, our health, important relationships, Another way you could put it is, um, it's not being able to get everything done, which often will lead to a place of stress or, or and anxiety. So what I wanted to do, we're going to make it kind of interactive this morning, can do this online as well, is I wanted to ask you a few questions. We're going to do a little bit of a self-assessment here, so I just want to highlight the word self there. It's not for your neighbor or the person down the road, so I don't want you looking at anyone and saying, this is for you. It's not that, it's on yourself, okay? So I'm going to ask you some questions, and when I ask those questions, I wouldn't make it public. Don't put your hand up unless you want to be embarrassed. Just say in your mind, yes or or no? So when I ask you these questions, in your mind, yes or no. So here we go. You ready? Has more than one person 
ever told you to slow down? Okay. <laughs> Mike can't help but being vocal. Um, do you use your days off to catch up on unfinished work? Do you feel guilty when you relax? When you're at a significant event, could be a school play, dinner with friends, might be in church right now, do you leave your notifications on just in case you need a text? Just watching when all the phones are going back into their pockets. Okay, let's be real honest. Here we are in church. Do you take business material with you into the bathroom? Those who are laughing are probably guilty. Now, for pastors, we can sometimes struggle with the line between ministry and just chill time, like relaxing. So a few months ago, I'm in the bathroom, and the, the door's closed, and the way I normally spend my time in the bathroom, I catch up on the news, so I'm reading through the news, and the stall next to me is empty. I hear one of our staff members, I don't know who it is, come into the bathroom, go into the stall next to me. They shut and lock the door, and I hear them sit down, flicking through the news. The next thing I hear, in a very friendly voice, so... Who do I have the pleasure of sitting next to today? <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't feel comfortable having intimate conversations like that in the bathroom. So I just went really quiet. Didn't want him to see my shoes. I just lifted my shoes up. I just waited for him to leave. I won't mention who it is. <laughs> Do you get less than seven or eight hours of sleep a night? Okay, last one. Do you find yourself constantly putting the urgent over the important? Putting the urgent over the important. For example, it might be 11.30 at night, and you get a notification on your phone. Your boss has emailed you. And so rather than preparing yourself for sleep and you know, reading a novel or something, you decide to answer that email. You do something urgent that, that interrupts your sleep because you're thinking so much about that email now. Do you put the urgent over the important? If you answered yes to one or more of those questions, if you're like no for all of them, you can kind of just check out for the rest of the service and maybe just give me a nod of encouragement from time to time. But if you answered yes to one or more of those questions, there is a chance, a pretty good chance, that you may have an unhealthy rhythm of busyness in a area or even several areas of your life. Ten years ago, uh, right around ten years ago, some really good friends and myself, we, we started this non-profit ministry called Justice Water. The, the idea was to work in uh, some of the most poorest places in the world and help people gain access to clean drinking water, then also train people with the skills so they could provide solutions themselves. So uh, this has been a ministry. This church has been unbelievably behind in supporting it. We're actually drilling wells this month in Togo. West Africa, which this church is supporting. But I remember when we started it, it was so incredibly exciting for us. It grew quicker than we possibly ever could have imagined. I was traveling constantly to West Africa and down to Haiti and, and Southeast Asia. And I was so passionate about the course. Therefore, I was so very, very driven. 
This quickly led to long days, working weekends, and setting a pace, which pretty soon my body said, you can't keep up with this anymore. This led with some personal challenges that I was going through at the time. I started to notice some uh, concerning symptoms. So, for example, I'd get to the end of the day, and this went on for about a two-year period. But I'd get to the end of the day, and I'd be like, my jaw is so sore. And I'd notice I'd just been clenching my jaw for a big part of the day. This would lead to tension headaches. And I remember often being on planes and the tray would be in front of me. I'd have my elbows on the tray. And I'd just be massaging my temples because I'd just been carrying so much tension in my body. And it was showing itself in the way I was holding or the, the tightness of my face. And I'd even go to the bathroom in the afternoon or in a plane. And I'd look at my face and the whole thing was just taut tight. And I'd be able to look in the mirror and actually just try to relax. And I could see my whole face relaxing. And this is just something I would carry uh, almost for two years of my life when we started this ministry. What happened is I neglected the Sabbath principle of rest, of stopping, of looking after my body, of resting, of resting in God. And it started to take this toll on me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And this has become a very common story in a lot of people's lives. I, I could tell you countless stories of friends like that I'm close with, like a lot of people that I, I personally know who have struggled with something really, really similar. Another word for it is burnout. Th- this could even be your story right now. One of the interesting things as I was reflecting on this message, and I, I got to admit, this has been a, a challenging week putting a message like this together because I always preach to myself before I preach to you, and th- this has been tough. This is something I really wrestle with. And one of the things I reflected on, when I ask in Australia, it's a very common um, saying, or, or, or when, you, when you're talking to someone, you say, how's it going? How are you doing? That's one of the things we often will ask people. One of the most common responses I get when I say to people, how's it going, is doing good, just really busy right now. I'm doing well, oh, but I just got, you know what it's like. I just got a lot on my plate. Hold on, someone's calling me, but I'd love to catch up. 2023, can we grab lunch? I just, this is a really important phone call. Let me just get this. Even my kids have started to respond to me this way. I'll be like to my little boy, Samuel, hey, buddy, you want to hang out? Oh, dad, just, just kind of busy right now. <laughs> you're busy. You're five and you're on holidays for nine weeks. How can you be busy right now? We're finding ourselves stuck in a world and a culture that can seem to place such significance on busyness. It's almost to the point where if you're not going and working to the point of just being able to hold it together, it almost is viewed upon that we're not contributing some type of value. And busyness doesn't always translate into being productive either. It it can also mean being occupied or distracted. And I get an amen from all the parents with teenagers. One of the biggest time consumers over the last 10 years is the smartphone. 
one of the biggest time consumers we have, just, just occupying time, whether it's productive or just, just being occupied, is our smartphones. I did some research on this this week, and I had to read like four different references because I didn't believe it. They say the average, this is just in Western countries, the average amount of times that we will interact with our device in a day, texting, calling, looking at the news, just some type of interaction with our phone in a day is 2,617 times. The, that's the average. Some people's a lot more, some people less. That's the amount of times we'll interact with our phone in a day. They say when it comes to social media, this is just scrolling YouTube, Facebook, uh, TikTok or Instagram, whatever it might be, the average person will spend two hours or more a day just simply scrolling through social media. There was an interview done with the CEO of Netflix. I love Netflix. We, we watch it, uh, so I'm not against it at all. But there was an interview done with the CEO of Netflix, and the interviewer said, what is your biggest competition? Is it, is it Apple TV? Is it, is it Amazon? What's your biggest competition? The CEO of Netflix, he thinks about it for a minute, and then he responds, our biggest competition? That'd be sleep. Wow. Okay, guilty sometimes. John Mark Homer observes, sin and busyness share something in common. They remove us from the living, restful connection of our Father's love. So, is there a practice from Scripture to move us in the opposite spirit of the workaholism and the, the busyness we can so often find consuming our lives. And that's where we're landed, landing today in this rhythm series. We've, we've been touching on this throughout the last three weeks and, and again today, but the real central theme of today is the rhythm of rest. So let's open the Word of God. We're going to begin in Genesis. We're going to go back to the real beginning. Uh, you, you can bring out your own devices or Bibles or follow along on the screen behind me. And as we read this scripture, just let your imaginations run wild. It's just some, some beautiful text here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So as we go through uh, th this chapter, it highlights what God is uh, doing each day until we get down to verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. As we jump into chapter 2, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. The word rest in Hebrew is Shabbat, and that's where we get the word Sabbath, which means to stop, to rest. In, in other um, ways, they'll put it to, it would be translated into delight, 
to enjoy. Now, some of us might be thinking, if God is all-powerful, why did he need to rest? Was he tired? Was he worn out? Did he, did he sleep that day? Does God sleep? The point I'm trying to make is God wasn't tired. He wasn't worn out. He is all-powerful. What he was doing was modeling to mankind from the very beginning a rhythm in which he wanted or desired for us to do too. In Exodus 28 to 10, one of the Ten Commandments, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, there's a lot of debate, like a lot of debate, around um, if the Old Testament law of the Sabbath, if, something, if, it, if it's something that Christians still need to apply in, in the traditional sense today, or is Jesus himself now our Sabbath and who we can find rest in him? Now, there is an abundance. I've looked at a lot of it this week. There's an abundance of research and thoughts around this. And so if you'd like to dive into that further, please do. You can, you can do that during the week. But what I have found clear as I've read through Scripture, something I've found consistent throughout the whole Scripture, in particular when I read through the Gospels, and, and Jesus modeled this in, in his own life, was this rhythm of rest, both physically and spiritually. And rest, and this is an important point today, rest was created as a gift and as a blessing from God, not something to be caught up in just ritual and, and legalism. In Mark 2, it says, um, Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. However, more and more, we're finding today, and this is definitely in my journey, uh, the rhythm of rest in our own lives can sometimes be more of a distant thought, maybe this ancient practice, rather than a current reality in our lives. In the book, Remember the Sabbath, Wayne Mueller, he writes this, In the relentless busyness of modern life, we have lost the rhythm between work and rest. All life requires rest. There's a rhythm in our waking activity and the body's need for sleep. There is a rhythm in the way day dissolves into night and night into morning. There is a rhythm as the active growth of spring and summer is quieted by the necessary dormancy of autumn and winter. There is a tidal rhythm, a deep, eternal conversation between the land and the great sea. In our bodies, the heart it rests after each life-giving beat. The lungs, they rest between the exhale and the inhale. So, how do we find a rhythm of rest in a world which the rhythm of busyness can just be so dominant all the time. So circling back into Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in the green pastures, rest. 
He leads me beside the quiet waters. Refresh. He refreshes my soul. God, my first point this morning, God's desire is for us to stop, to rest. This is his gift to us, to Shabbat, to Sabbath. God has given us this incredible gift of life, and we are to steward our lives with how we work and how we rest and how we sleep and how we eat and how we exercise. But I feel in Psalm 23, we are invited into something even so much more significant, that in Him, in God, we can find a rest that transcends the physical and moves into the deeper parts of who we are, our souls. In the beginning of a message, I, I, I talked about a season in my life where I just went too hard for too long and it caught up with me. A close mentor of mine, he challenged me. He's like, John, you need to stop, literally stop and be still before God. In Psalm 4610, it says, be still and know that I am God. My buddy said, just five minutes a night, five minutes a night, John, just, just slow your breathing down. You're moving too fast. Slow your breathing down. Calm your mind. You're thinking too much. You're always just thinking Calm your mind, John, and then align your spirit. Find that rest in Him. So I, I, I'm, I'm an easy, I'm easy to be sold on different things, and I'm, I'm like all in when He told me this. I'm like, you know what? That makes complete sense because my face is just tight all the time because I'm carrying so much tension. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest in the Lord. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue that five minutes of just being still before Him. And so, I remember the first night I did it. I, I created the right environment. I love dimming lights. And if you ever come to my house, I, I love dimming lights. And so, I dimmed the lights. I, I waited till all the kids were asleep, and Ellen was asleep as well. And I put some instrumental music on, some worship music, and I'm gonna be still before the Lord and rest in Him. So I stat, sat on the floor and I slowed my breathing. I calmed my mind, closed my eyes and just waited and just sat in the presence of God. After what seemed like a long time, like an hour, I'm like, whoa, that was good. Looked down at my watch. I think it's like a minute and 12 seconds. It's like, oh my goodness. It is literally... Five minutes being still calming my mind, aligning my spirit. One of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my whole life. It's also been one of the most significant rhythms that I've placed in my life. I was so messed up at that point in my life. I love wearing watches. I don't have a watch on right now. I love wearing watches. I was so obsessed with time and maximizing every minute of every hour of every day that every time I'd do this little practice, I was constantly, man, this is a minute and 45 seconds now. I was like addicted to time. So about eight years ago, I actually took my watch off as a symbolic uh, act of um, wanting to create more space for God and more time for rest in my life. And I, haven't, I literally haven't put a watch on unless I'm surfing for the last eight years, though I love wearing watches. And I'm not saying take your watches off, don't hear that at all. This was a symbolic thing for me because I was so obsessed with time and I was finding it so hard for me to rest. Rick Warren, I love the way he puts it, says to be still before God, exchanges our restlessness for God's peace. 
So the question for us is, when was the last time you were still, quiet, and resting in God, receiving from Him? In Him, we find rest for our souls. My second point this morning is refresh. He leads me beside the quiet waters. In Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, this is the message translation, are you tired, worn out, burned out in religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest, walk with me, and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Don't you love that? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll live, learn to live freely and lightly. My daughter, Malia, our second born, um, she was the dream child. When she was born, slept like a little lamb. She was just, just amazing. And, and we were just like, as parents, we were like, this is just so easy. I, lo- I love this, you know, with our second child, Malia. Um, when she turned six months old, everything changed. I think she kind of built up those first six months of sleep. And since six months, she kind of hasn't slept since. She just doesn't require a lot of sleep. But as parents, I remember when she was about two or three, uh, for our own sanity, we needed her to take her afternoon rest, uh, her afternoon sleep. And so to get to about one o'clock in the afternoon and we'd take her to her cot and try to put her down and she would just resist and resist and resist. And so what I would do, we lived in this smaller apartment over in Hawaii, uh, her timeout spot was in the bathroom on top of the toilet seat with the toilet seat closed. And so I'd pick little Malia up, I would take her into the bathroom, I'd put her on the seat, I'm like, you have to go to sleep, now you're in timeout. I'd close the door, come back literally about two minutes later, I don't know how she did this, but I'd walk in, she's on top of the toilet seat, curled up, two years old, completely passed out, asleep. Why am I telling you that story? A resistance to rest is immaturity. That statement has been so convicting for me this week. It's one thing when you're a child, but, but, but for that, for me, slowing down is not something I've just solved. It's not something I've just like, oh, I found that rhythm. It's something that I'm challenged with and I work out almost daily. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that our rest, it brings refreshment. Have you ever done a crossword puzzle? Um, I often do these on planes, and you just get stuck on a word. And you're like, I just can't get that word. I think it's in here somewhere. I just can't come up with it. And this is me often on planes. I'll be trying to do my little crossword puzzles on plane. I just get stuck with a word. So what do I do? I'll jump up, go to the back of the plane, grab a Coke, maybe have a chat with someone in one of the aisles, and then I'll come back to my seat five minutes later. Boom. I got it. I know the word. I'll write it down. Here's a question. Did I just get smarter? In those last five minutes, did I just get smarter? No. I rested. My mind rested. In closing... Uh, Jeremiah 6, 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. 
In other words, what are the ancient disciplines that are higher than the new technologies? What are the ancient disciplines that are higher than our busy schedules? A lot of them we've been talking about in this rhythm series. Fasting, prayer, solitude, Sabbath, rest. Ask where the good way is. Then when we see it, when we see the good way, what is that we're going to do? We're going to walk in it. And when you walk in it, what are you going to find? You will find rest for your souls. So let's get real practical. For those of you who got this whole thing sorted, I, I, I hope you enjoyed the stories. But for a lot of us, we need to ask ourselves a question, are we too busy? Are we too busy with our lives? Do we need to walk in some new paths? Do we need to discover some new disciplines so we can find that rest for our souls and that refreshment for our bodies? For some of you, it could mean on your device that you need to turn some of your notifications off. You're like, well, that's not very spiritual, John, talking about that. But for some of us, that's what we need to do. We need to turn some of the notifications off our phones. Um, the, the, the number one thing I've got feedback on in all the time I've, I've been preaching here over the last three years, so the number one comment I've got feedback on about three years ago, I think it was maybe my first message, I said, one of the things I, I try to do as much as I can is when I get home, I put my phone away for two hours in the cupboard. I just put it away because I want my family to get my undivided attention. That's the number one thing I've got feedback on, the amount of people that have said, oh, since hearing that, I put my phone away. I'll leave it in the car for those couple of hours when I get home so I can be focused. So I can be evolved, involved. And that might be for you. You might be, hey, I'm addicted to this thing. I'm going to take it down from 2,617 to 2,300 by leaving it in my car, in the closet, in the, in the cupboard for two hours an evening so I can be focused on my roommates or the relationships that I have in my life. For some of us, it might be, hey, you know what? I'm going to really carve out 24 hours and, and just, I'm going to really Sabbath. I'm going to rest. I'm going to spend time with the Lord. I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to delight. I'm going to eat good food. I, I, I too often take days off just to do things I didn't get done during the week. I'm actually going to take a day off and enjoy and Sabbath and do it well. I, I'd encourage for all of us, if you have never done this or if it's not a, a regular rhythm in your week or in your month, I'd really encourage you to try stopping for five minutes and being still before God, resting in Him, enjoying Him, calming your mind, slowing your breathing, aligning your spirit. If this isn't something you've ever done, I, I can't encourage you enough to establish that rhythm in your life. Let us pray. Lord, we ask you today, and we thank you first just for the blessing of rest the blessing of stopping, the blessing of receiving from you. And we ask you that today you would reveal areas in our lives where we may need to stop, where we may need to rest, where we may need to enjoy and delight in you. God, we pray that you help us to rest our minds, to rest our bodies, to rest our souls. Lord, right now, I pray for those in the room who are feeling overwhelmed, by the busyness of their lives and they're finding it difficult to know what on earth can I take off my plate? I just pray for your supernatural rest 
and refreshment to wash over their physical bodies and deep into their spirits. That you would provide wisdom for how they can slow their lives down to rest, to Sabbath. God, I just pray for everyone here in the room today, for all of those who are watching online. I pray for a deep peace that can only come from you. I pray for that deep rest for our souls. And Lord, I pray for that um, just practical encouragement for areas in our life that we might just need to create some new disciplines or maybe some areas that we need to stop. We just pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Well, let's all jump up to our feet as we continue in worship and respond in that way as well as the band leads us.